Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88,000. How many of y'all notice that as a culture, we, we're really, really concerned around what's in our food now. I, I, don't, I don't know about y'all, but when I was growing up, like we just didn't think about all this stuff. Like th- there was no limit to what we would eat growing up. And, and here's the thing, we turned out all right, right? Like, but we're, we're, we're discovering like there's just so many things now that we're allergic to in our food. Just all kinds of problems with, with stuff that, that's in our food now. Do you know what you call something that is gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, casein-free, sugar-free, fat-free? Water. It's called water. You can buy it at Whole Foods for $12. So, uh, but, but one of the trends, and it's not, as, it's, it's not necessarily you hear as much about it because it's so intrinsic in our culture now, but guilt-free. We want everything to be guilt-free. Uh, so, so we have guilt-free brownie mixes. I guarantee you that tastes like cardboard. Uh, we, have, we have guilt-free doggy biscuits. I don't know about your dog. Our dog has never felt guilty about eating anything <laughs> in her life. Like she's, there's no guilt there. Uh, there's actually a site, a website for guilt-free homeschooling. Schooling. It doesn't work, trust me. But, uh, but, but they have that, guilt-free homeschooling. We felt so guilty homeschooling. We sent the, the teachers were horrible, so we sent them back to school. Uh, but there's, there's actually articles uh, about saying no to people and being guilt-free. How many of y'all have a hard time saying no to people, all right? Like, you don't even want to raise your hand because it feels confrontational. <laughs> okay, there's blogs about guilt-free shopping sprees. Just kidding, no, there's not. <laughs> there is no such thing as that. You're welcome, men. Uh, so, uh, you know, this is what I noticed. Last, last week we talked about facing our giants in, in life. But one of the things I felt like the Lord kind of spoke to my heart, even as we were wrapping that service up and going into the invitation, was a large percentage of our people that are carrying a weight of guilt. And, and what's way more important than your, your diet physically is your spirit man and it not being burdened down by things that God never intended for you to carry around. And so today I wanna talk to you about being guilt-free. But I thought it was appropriate since we talked about David facing his giant last week that we can also talk about David what he didn't always make the right decisions. Because David had to deal with guilt in his life. And so we're going to look at Psalm 51. And, and in Psalm 51, David is full of guilt for some mistakes that he had made. And we're going to break this scripture down, but I want to let you know that we're, we're going to walk through it. But, but I'm not planning, we're, the plan is not to beat you up with this scripture. My goal is, is not to weigh you down. The goal is to take weight off of you. Because the one thing I know for a fact is that if the enemy can't completely take you out, often he will just paralyze and immobilize you with guilt. And if we don't deal with guilt, guilt will wind up directing our lives. 
in a lot of unhealthy ways. So some context around what's happening right before uh, Psalm 51. Uh, we know David, anointed king, defeats Goliath, but he's, he's not actually get, gets to operate as king for many years because there's Saul. Saul is he's jealous, and so he's chasing David down, and David's having to hide all over the place, but eventually Saul actually winds up killing himself. David becomes king, and he is hashtag winning. Like, he is, he's an amazing king, doing an amazing job, but then he makes a huge mistake, and every year there's a season after, after the heart, the, all the uh, crops and everything have been planted and the storms are over. Every king in the region, it's like the, the season of war. And every king in their armies, they go off to war. And, and David was supposed to do that. He was supposed to go off to war, but he decided, you know what? I, you know, we're doing pretty good. Everything's rock and rolling. I think I'm just gonna hang back. I'm just gonna stay home. And I just wanna speak to that. Whenever we get complacent with the purposes that we're created for, it is a major setup for compromise. There are things that God has placed inside of you that are eternal purposes. And when we get complacent and apathetic with those being our priorities and fulfilling those purposes, it will set you up for major, major compromise in your life every time. So David, he is not off at war. His whole army, they're off at war, but David's back at home. He's in the palace and he's just kind of, you know, chilling. And one afternoon he goes on a power walk after one of his afternoon naps and he's up on the rooftop of the palace and he's, he's walking around. He looks across and he sees this woman bathing on top of this roof. Her name is Bathsheba. And I just want to stop there. Because is it ironic to anyone else that her name is Bathsheba? Like Bath is in her name. Like to me, it's like your kids making up a story. And they're making up a story about a cat and mouse. And you're like, oh, what's the cat and mouse's name? And they're like, Mousy and Cowdy. Like, like. Like her parents were like, and her name shall be Bathsheba, and she will be known for taking baths. Like, I, I don't, it's just weird to me how the Bible sets this stuff up sometimes. So long story short, and we'll keep it PG, but David makes a huge mistake, and Bathsheba gets pregnant. But then David did what a lot of us have a tendency to do. And that is, he just digs that hole even deeper. Because to try to cover up this sin of adultery with Bathsheba, he tries to manipulate her husband, first of all, Uriah, to come back from the battlefield. Yeah, just come back and you should go spend some quality time with your wife. You should do that. You really should. Which I'm sure Uriah's like, this is very strange. I'm supposed to be off fighting. So he didn't do it. He actually didn't even go home to see his wife. And now David's like, well, shoot, now I can't cover up my sin with that. And so he sends Uriah to the front lines of the battlefield and Uriah gets killed. So David commits murder to cover up adultery. But then Nathan the prophet 
comes along, sets up this story about this guy who's a, who's a crook, he's crooked and a deceiver. And basically David has to face the fact that that story represents him. And so this is David's response to that sin, to, to getting caught and, and to having to face, am I going to be repentant? How am I gonna deal with the guilt of my sin? So in chapter 51 of Psalm, starting in verse one, it says this, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. That's talking about the power of a testimony. Forgive me. Forgive me for shedding blood. O God who saves, then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. Do not desire, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit and you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. So I wanna talk through this, the different elements that you can see in this psalm. And I think first you can see the torment of guilt. Guilt can be something that a lot of times you can bring on yourself or could be something that someone else brings on you. In this case, David brought it on himself. Either way, it's heavy. It's like this invisible weight that's on us. And and here's the thing. I think that this last year has presented a lot of different challenges and opportunities that have opened the door for guilt in a lot of people's lives, and especially Christians. Uh, I think it could be because of your connection to the church, your devotion to the Lord, um, and, and your lack of connection to devotion and to the body of Christ, putting you in a place where you've drifted, Maybe it's allowed some compromise. I just sense that there can be a lot of guilt around people's relationships with other people, the relationship with the Lord. And verse eight says, you have broken me. The NIV translation says, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. When you are facing this guilt, 
it will torment you. It just stays with you. In another psalm, in, verse, or in Psalm 32, it says it this way, when I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groan all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Some of the things that, that, that guilt winds up doing. First of all, guilt saturates the mind. David's mistake and failure is so heavy on his mind. It's, it's impossible if you have a genuine relationship with God, that this isn't bothered you. Now, I think it is possible that if you don't have a genuine relationship with Jesus, you can actually send in and not bother you. But for those of us who have given our lives to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he's given us the promise of his Holy Spirit inside of us, and the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Now, conviction, though, is different than guilt. Conviction draws us to God so that we can be restored. Now, some of us might need a little more conviction. But guilt will convince your mind that you can and need to hide from God. But you can't hide from God and you don't need to hide from God. Both of those are false thoughts. Also, guilt stings the conscience. One of the ways that God speaks to us is through our conscience. Now, our conscience is this moral compass for us. It's a gut feeling that helps us see right and wrong. Paul said this about his conscience in Acts 24, so I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. And again in Romans, my conscience confirms in the Holy Spirit. But when you ignore your conscience, it goes numb. Our heart hardens and it damages our relationship and communication with the Lord. That's the process. That's kind of where guilt leads us. Guilt saddens the heart. David wants his joy back. He said in verse 12, give me the joy of my salvation back. He doesn't say give me back my salvation. He says give me the joy of my salvation, which is such an important difference because the truth is this. You can be saved and not enjoying the journey. And guilt has a major cause in that. Guilt also sickens the body. He says, my body wastes away, my strength evaporates. So guilt physically will lead to anxiety, depression, other major emotional issues. I think sometimes though, Guilt almost becomes like a drug. Some people deny the guilt that they feel and just try to stuff it away, which is what causes all the other issues because living with it seems easier than dealing with it. So they become dependent on it. Guilt also sours a spirit. Guilt and unconfessed sin makes you cranky, and irritable, and critical. I think I just saw a wife elbow her husband a little bit. And a lot of times what will happen is we will push the pain of our guilt off on other people. Like, because we're dealing with guilt, even subconsciously, we'll make other people's lives miserable around us to try to make ourselves feel a little bit better. I think one of the biggest damages is what, what David said. He says, open my lips again, may that I may praise you. One of the things that guilt does is it seals the lips. It's hard to pray worship or speak life, the life of God's word, 
when you're dealing with guilt. It shuts you down. Oh, I think a lot of you can experience that. I think maybe some of you are even experiencing that this morning in worship, like you want to worship. But it feels like your lips are sealed because of guilt that you're dealing with for whatever reason. Another thing that we can see, though, in this chapter is the ownership of sin. The ownership of sin. Now, this is not something that any of us have naturally, the desire to own sin. Like if you ever meet a kid that is up for owning their sin, you have found a unicorn because it just doesn't happen. Like how many of y'all know, like your kids, like when they're doing something that they know they shouldn't be doing, they have this face that is unmistakable. Like, and they develop at a really young age. Like every baby has this face when you know they're leaving you a little something, something in their diaper. Like, they make this face. You can just tell it's like, hey, did you do something? Me? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) No, I'm fine. You're fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) They just have this face, this guilty face. And they have a hard time owning up. Hey, did you hit your sister? No. I touched her hard. It's really hard. It was like a hard touch with my fist <laughs> in her face. But it wasn't a hit as much as just a very forceful touch. You have a difficult time. But this is what it says in Proverbs 28. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they receive mercy. You know, I love that David just stops trying to cover this sin up and he says, he just lays it all out before God. There, there, there's no entitlement issues with David. <laughs> he, he doesn't make excuses. He doesn't play the blame game. He's exposed and he's humbled and he just owns his mistakes. In fact, uh, in most of your Bibles, when you look at this, this chapter, Right before this, it says, from the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery from Bathsheba. David wrote this, and it's in the most read book on the planet. Think about that level of transparency. But David wrote this psalm by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, knowing that for generations, everyone would know. That is humility, to be willing to confess that. I just wanna encourage you with this. If you're a parent and you make a mistake with one of your kids, one of the most powerful things that you can do, not just for your relationship with them, but to defeat the enemy's plan to keep them in a place of keeping secrets as they grow up is admit you made a mistake to their face. Apologize. Humble yourself. I've had to do that so many times with my kids. And um, you know what it, does, what, it doesn't conf- what it doesn't communicate is weakness. It just communicates humility. And it communicates honesty. And I think it helps them 
live with that too. And Psalm 32, 5 says, Finally, I confess my sins to you and you stopped trying to, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. So here's the thing. Um, God knows what you did. So it's not like, hey, God, I just want to tell you something you didn't know about. Uh, kind of made a mistake. Though this is going to be surprising to you. Maybe even shocking. No. When you confess, it's just you agreeing with a holy God that you offended him. That you made this mistake. But that opens the door for that relationship to be healed. To be reconciled. Because the enemy will whisper to you, look, you can hide this. No one has to know. But I just want to tell you that, that that is so costly. That costs you way more than you ever want to pay. So to put it simply, here's how you deal with guilt. Confess your sins to God. Start there. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our wickedness. But the second thing is just as important. You gotta confess your sins to one another. In James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confessing to God, we've talked about this so many times, confessing to God, you will be forgiven, but it's your transparency with trusted members of the body of Christ that ushers in your healing. If you don't usher in that healing, you could be in the same cycle, asking for forgiveness again and again and again for the same sin, but if you allow transparency to happen with the body of Christ, it can bring healing so you can move forward in true freedom. We also see the importance of transparency. Uh, I think it's important that you're transparent. I do think it's important you're wise with your transparency. Um, I, I, I would say that for the most part, transparency from a keyboard is not typically a great idea. It, it, it actually isn't typically the kind of transparency and humility that I think God is actually looking for. But I think when you're face to face with someone, the ability to say, hey, I'm, this is just who I am. And, uh, you know, as a pastor, it's always funny because, like, I can be out and about and, and hanging out and, and not, you know, people don't know who I am. They don't know what I do. And so they're just being themselves, right? And, and so they're, they may be over there and, and someone may be cussing and being crass and stuff. And I'm just, you know, just smiling. And that's an interesting word, way to say that. That's a very creative way to use that word, you know? And, and, and then they're like, yeah, man, what's your name? I'm like, I'm James. He's like, oh yeah, what do you do? I'm a pastor. <laughs> and so all then, but then it's so, so interesting. So many times it's like, that just opens the floodgates. Like, oh man, you're a pastor, man. Maybe you could be praying for me. Next thing you know, they're telling me about their childhood. They're telling me about like all the mistakes that they've ever made. They're telling me, and I'm like, man, that's, 
thanks for sharing all. I just need to pay for my milk and get home. Like, you know, like, <laughs> it's, it's a little interesting, but, but I love that transparency. And what you can see is as, as they're being transparent, as they're being honest, you can see this weight lifting off of them. You can see like their eyes brightening. It's amazing. David turns to God. He's honest, he's transparent. But this is what he says. And this is so important because this is where Christians and religious people get it wrong. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You can't earn your way past guilt. It won't work. It won't work. It'll be a Band-Aid, but it won't deal with the issue. You do not want a burnt offering. What do you want? The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. In other words, transparency. Just being honest, being real. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. David knows he can't please God with his righteous acts. He can't earn forgiveness. He just has to let himself come to God, flaws and everything. So often when we mess up, we don't have a tendency to run to God with it. Like we may even run to other people. We may run to our spouse. We may run to our best friend. We may run to Netflix. We may run to our best friend, Netflix. Like we may run to all these other places. But the person who is always, you have to get this, who will always have more compassion for you in your brokenness than anyone else, it will always be God. He will have more love and compassion and forgiveness and acceptance even in the midst of your worst sin than any other person. We should run to him first. Run to him first. No one can give grace and forgiveness like God. But we also see in this psalm the hope of forgiveness. David knows God and he knows his heart. He drifted a little bit, but he really does know who God is. Psalm 32, it says this, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. In Colossians 2.14, it says, he concealed the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. No sin is too great that God can't forgive. When you hold on to your guilt, it's like saying that what Jesus did on the cross is not enough. I find it so interesting how we would never communicate that to someone else. Could you imagine telling one of your kids, look, what Jesus did was a big deal and it covers a lot of sin, but the sin that you just committed, it actually won't cover that one. You would never say that <laughs> to your kid. But how often do we project that on ourselves? Like, I believe that what Jesus did was amazing, and I believe that he loves, and I believe that he forgives, and, and this is, it's huge, and his grace covers all of this. But there's this one thing, no, that's mine. 
I'm going to hold on to that, and that one is not covered. I would suggest that that is a lie from the pit of hell that you've allowed yourself to believe. But it's not scriptural. Let's let God do what God does best, forgive. I think one of the problems may be that there's some of us in this room that tend to think that this message is for bad sinners, for the really bad mistakes, the bad sinners who commit all the really bad sins. Well, I think when we start measuring the badness of sins, we have a whole different problem. But the Bible makes it clear we're all bad. We're all bad. We all need God's mercy. Every day of our lives, we need his mercy. We need his love. Jesus came to declare the world not guilty for every person that just accepts him. And all we have to do is accept that free gift. You know, uh, the freeze of 2020. Uh, we have a lot of new plants at our house that I have no idea what to do with them. Um, just outside. And, but what I noticed is, man, that freeze came through. And, there, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. It's still brown. Like, it's not doing well right now. And, and so the one thing I do know about plants is this. Um, as long as that brown stuff is on that plant, the truth is they will, those brown parts will continue to try to suck energy and health from the rest of the plant. And so as long as that stuff's on there, like, it, it, I mean, you can, you can keep it there. But, but, but the pr problem is there's some green stuff that's trying to come out, but it's having a really difficult time growing because there's so much of the plant that is still focused on trying to bring back to life what is completely dead. And so until you go and cut all that dead stuff off, that plant can't thrive. Can we just let the sin of our past be dead? <laughs> and let Jesus prune and cut so that we can thrive, move forward in everything that he has for us? I think that's God's heart for you. Close your eyes, bow our heads. Uh, if you're here and you you are, you're just you're just struggling. You've been you got some guilt. Something you did, maybe even unintentionally, or intentionally, or maybe it's guilt that other people are trying to to lay on you, but you're carrying this guilt around. I believe that the Lord wants you just to come and lay it at the cross and just accept that when Jesus said it's finished, he was speaking of that thing that's causing you that guilt. But let's confess our weakness. Let's let the spirit of God confront us as our Nathan and say, hey, 
It's there. I see it. I see it. I'm not ashamed of you for it. I just want you to confess it so you can move forward and be healed. If you're here and you know you're struggling with something like that, I do not want to embarrass you, but I want to give you a chance just to admit it and confess it, that you've got it, it's in your life and you're carrying it. If that's you, just put your hand up right now. Nobody's looking around, just say, man, that's me. I'm carrying this thing. Father God, I I just thank you for every one of these brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I don't know what it is. It's causing that guilt, what's causing that shame. If it's secret sin, if it's a relationship issue, if it's it's just a a mistake from their past, God, I don't know what it is. It it could be uh, an addiction. It could be, I don't know what it is. But God, we just confess right now. We raise our hand and say, we are weak. I'm weak. I admit it. I confess my sin. I confess my sin to you, God. Return to me the joy of my salvation. Thank you for not taking your Holy Spirit from me. Help me to walk with you again. Confess to you that I need you. And I thank you that because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross, that it's forgiven in Jesus' name. But there might be some of you that you just need to confess that you need Jesus. You have no relationship with him. You're lost. You're lost. A life separated from relationship with God through his son Jesus will be nothing but guilt, will be nothing but shame, a lack of hope, a lack of peace, a lack of joy. So if you're here today and you are away from God and you know you need to call on him, you need a relationship with him because you feel dead inside, without hope, without joy, without any confidence about where you would spend eternity if you lost your life today. And if you know you need to call on him as your Lord and Savior, I'd love to pray with you. If that's you, go ahead and put your hand up right now. Cross this room, I got you. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. I got you right here. Yes, sir, got you, bro. Yes, sir, got you, bro. Thanks for being bold, man. Got you, buddy. Anybody else? I just need Jesus, I'm away from him. Okay, Father God, I thank you for those few hands. Thank you, God, you're meeting with them right now, right where they're at. God, I don't know their story. I don't know everything that they've been through, but you know every detail of it. And I thank you, God, that in spite of anything that they have ever done, you are infinitely better at forgiving than they have ever been or will ever be at sinning. You are love. You came to bring us that kind of forgiveness. You desire for us to be near you. You desire to have relationship with us. So I thank you, God, that you're drawing their hearts near to you right now. I would encourage you that as soon as you can, that you need to declare this relationship that you have with Jesus. Tell somebody about it. Go public through water baptism. But let's just talk to him right there in your chair. I think it's important. You you need to just tell him some things from your own heart, maybe loud enough for your own ears to hear it. Just say this, say, Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I know that my sin would separate me from, from you, but I believe that you died on the cross for me. Thank you for doing that. I thank you, God, that you didn't stay dead, that you rose from the grave. I thank you, Jesus, that when you rose from the grave, you defeated my sin, you defeated death. 
You give me the hope of heaven. And right now, I repent. I turn away from living for myself, living the way I wanna live. I wanna live according to your purpose, your plan, your word. I give my life to you. Thank you. Thank you for for everything that you've done so that I can have this relationship. And I wanna understand more of your love, more of your plan, more of your purpose. Lead me by your word, by your spirit. Help me be connected to the body of Christ so I can continue to grow and learn. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you, God, that we can live completely guilt-free because of the cross, because of your love and acceptance and forgiveness for us. To you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.